good. We are at the bottom of Tes Vav Amud Beis, 15b, last line, the colon there. The Amir Rami Chama, Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Chama, the son of Rabbi Chanina said, Lama Nismachu Ohalim Lindachalim. Why are the words tense and the words brooks um, put next to each other in the verse? Tichsi, as the verse says, Kinachalim Nitayu, Kiganos Alei Nahar. Um, like brooks, they reach out, like gardens by a river, ka'ahalim nata, like pitch tents. Lomarachatz, to teach you. So we see that again, that uh, brooks and tents are put together. Just like a brook or a mikvah, you know, any sort of water, body of water. Um, it can, brings a person from impurity to purity. Af aholim, so to a tent, malanesa adam, also lifts up a person. Mikav chova, from the uh, side of 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 uh, responsibility or but negative responsibility. So maybe guilt. Lekav sechos, to the side of innocent, to the side of merit. And aholim tents are a reference to the tents of study. The uh, tense of Torah study, so it's telling us that studying Torah elevates one from um, from from guilt to to innocence to merit. Okay, Hakari Lamafreya. Now we're going to go back and talk about the Mishnah. Hakari Lamafreya Lo Yatsa. If you read out of order, you did not fulfill your obligation. We're going to talk about that part of the Mishnah. Rabbi Ami of Rabbi Asi Habuka Kachun Le Genona Le Rabbi Lazar. So Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi, they were tying a chuppah. A wedding canopy for Rabbi Elazar. Amr Lahu and Rabbi Elazar said, Adahachi Vahachi, while you're doing this, or in the meantime, I'm going to go and hear something in the study hall. And I will come back and I will tell you what it is that I learned. So he went and he found the Tana. So this is somebody that would. Um, basically remember many, many teachings. So he was te uh, sharing a teaching in front of Rabbi Yochanan. And the teaching went like this, If somebody was reading Shema and made a mistake, but isn't sure where they made the mistake. Then we say, So if he knows that the mistake that he made and this was a mistake that would have required him to go back to where he was, um, where he made the mistake. So if he made the mistake, if he knows that he made um, the mistake in the middle of a paragraph, then Yachazar Larosh, then he should go back to the beginning of the paragraph he knows he made a mistake in if he do, cannot locate the place where he made the mistake. Bain Perak So if he knows that he did well up until the end of a paragraph, but can't seem to remember. So he knows he finished a paragraph. He's just not sure. Am I supposed to go on now to the second paragraph or am I supposed to go on to the third paragraph? Because he can't seem to remember which paragraph it was that he finished. So then what does he do? Yachzar lik parakarishon. He then should go back to the to the end of the first parak, the end of the first chapter, the end of the first paragraph, and then continue on from there. 
being siva leksiva, if it's between writing and writing, so it says the words uh, it says the word ksiva about writing in the first paragraph, and then it says about writing in the second paragraph, and it's a very similar wording, and it's and if you're not paying attention, you could be saying the writing part in the first paragraph, and then just end up skipping to the second paragraph, skipping a lot to the writing in the second paragraph because you're just not thinking what you're saying. So we say that if you're not sure if you're at the first paragraph's writing or the second paragraph's writing, you should go back to the first paragraph's writing. So basically, in essence, what we're saying is, is that you should go back to where you can confidently say you had not yet messed up. And then make sure, then you'll be saying the part that you did mess up and all will be good. Amr le Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan, hearing this lesson, said... All of this that we taught, where you're not exactly sure where to go back to, this is only true if you did not yet reach the words Laman Yerbu Yemechem, which is the end of the second paragraph of Shema. However, if you already began to recite the words Laman Yerbu Yemechem, which is the last verse of the second paragraph, then Sarche Naket Fa'asi. Sarche nakat basically means we assume habit. Ve'asi, um, yeah, sarche nakat I'm sorry, means that we basically assume that there was a habit there, and the habit is is that the third paragraph is said without any mistakes. So therefore, if you got to that point of leman yerbuyemechem of uh, that that last verse of the second paragraph, and then you're not sure if you made a mistake. We say that don't worry about it. Uh, we assume that you don't make a mistake because in the third paragraph of Shema, habit is is that you don't make any sort of mistakes because it's a shorter one. It's one that we say all the time uh, for several different reasons. So now Rabbi Lazar, as promised, was going to come back to his friends and uh, tell them what he learned. So he came and he told them what he learned. They said to him, even if we had come only to hear this one thing, Dayenu, it would have been enough. It would have been enough. All right, so we are now at the Mishnah on 16a, Tezayin Amr Aleph. Um, this is a, a, an important Mishnah in uh, Jewish law. Ha'umnin korim barosha ilan barosha nidbach. Workers, they can say the Shema at the top of a tree or at the top of a wall. Masha'inan Rashayan Lasos came betfila, but they're not allowed to do Shemona Esrei. They're not allowed to do tefila, prayer, amida. In such a fashion, Chasan Pater Mikriyashma Laila Harishona Vadmotzae Shabbos. A groom is exempt from Shema from the first night after, uh, from the first night of the we- right right after the wedding until the Saturday night afterwards. Imlo Asamaisa if he did not yet consummate the marriage. Umase Barabin Gamliel. There was a case with Rabbi Gamliel. Shenasa Isha. He got married. Vakara Laila Harishona. Yet he still said Shema that first night. Amrulo Talmidav and his student said to him, Limadatenu Rabbeinu, didn't you teach us, Rabbi, Shechasan Pater Mikriyashma, that a groom is exempt from saying Shema? Amr Lahem, he said to them, Eni Shomayalachem, I'm not going to listen to you. Levatel Heimeni Malchus Shemaim Achas, I'm not going to listen to you to convince me to separate myself from accepting upon myself the yoke of heaven, uh, I'm sorry, from separating myself from the kingdom of heaven, even one moment. That was his answer. We are now at the Gemara. Gimomem, one, two, three lines up before the lines get wide. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis taught, 
the workers can read on the top of the um, tree or on the top of a wall. And you can also say Shmona Esrei on the top of a olive tree, on the top of a fig tree. But for all other trees, you have to come down. You come down and then you daven on the ground. And if you're the owner of the orchard, then no matter what type of tree it is, you have to come down to Davin to say Shemona Esrei. Because your um, your head is not clear because you're busy thinking about um, the possibility of falling. And uh, it will obviously divert your attention from the Shemona Esrei, from the prayer service that you're supposed to be doing. So um, that is one b'risa. Um, Rami lay Rav Meri Barad of Ashmuel Arava. So Rav Meri, the son of Shmuel's daughter, whose name was Rachel, we see this, we see this in um, throughout the Gemara. He um, he pointed out a contradiction. Tinan, we learned in a Mishnah, our Mishnah. Um, workers, they're allowed to read the Shema on top of a tree or on top of a wall. Alma lo kafana. So we see from the fact that we allow them to say Shema on top of a tree, we see that there is no need to have um, intent. Uraminhi, meaning you could just say the words without really focusing. Uraminhi, then that, but then we ask on this. Hakore Shema tsarich shiachavenus libo. Somebody that reads Shema has to focus. Shenemar, as the verse says, Shema Yisrael. Hero Israel, Ula Halanu Omer, and some and in a different verse it says, Haskesu Shema Yisrael. It says it says focus and listen, O Israel. Malahalan Bahaskesh, just like the that verse that talked about listening, it was specifically a focused listening. Afkan Bahaskesh, so too when saying Shema it has to be with that focus. So too when saying Shema it has to be with that focus. So how could you tell me then that a worker is allowed to say Shema on top of the trees? Ishtik. So Rava, who um, the, this contradiction was posed to, was quiet. Omar lay. But then, I guess, after thinking, Rava said to Rav Mary, Midi shemiyalach baha? Have you, uh, have you heard anything about this? Omar lay. So Rav Mary said to him, Hachi Amar Rav Sheshes. This is what Rav Sheshes said. When we say that the workers can read on top of a tree, it's It's when they stop working, vikarin and read. So, yes, they can do it on top of a tree, but they cannot do it while working. They cannot say the Shema while working. They have to at least stop working. So, yes, their concentration is going to be diverted a little bit because of their fear of falling off the tree, but not to the extent that we allow them to work while saying Shema. Alrighty, so um, we were uh, we just mentioned... Sorry, I had to pause. That's why I'm just repeating what I, uh, I'm just repeating the last thing I think we talked about, and that is that um, that when we said that the workers can say the Shema up in the trees, it's that it's that they have to stop working though. So yes, they're up in the trees, which provides a little bit of distraction, but it's not the complete distraction that would come from still working as you're saying Shema. And now we're going to ask on this. Fahatanya, but wait a minute. Didn't we learn in a Braisa? Base Hillel Omrim, Base Hillel says, Oskim b'malachtam v'korin, that they could actually be working and saying Shema at the same time. So uh, how do we understand this? Where is the focus then? Lo kasha, so we answer, not a question. Habaparak Rishon, the Mishnah, which says that they can um, 
which says that they have to stop working in order to say the Shema, um, is referring to the first chapter of the Shema where you need, uh, where you're obligated to have that uh, very specific focus on the meaning of the words, Habba Perak Shani. Um, and then you have the Baraisa that says that you could work while you're saying the Shema. That's talking about the second portion or the second chapter, the second paragraph of the Shema. Okay. Now that we started talking about workers and prayer, we're going to continue about that. If there were workers that were doing work by a by their by a boss by an by an employer, they read the Shema and they say the blessings before and after Shema. So they take time out of their work in order to do that. The Ochlin Pitan, and they eat their bread, Umevarchin Lefanehulachareha, and they make a blessing before eating the bread and after eating the bread. Umispalalin Tefilah Shal Shmonasre, and they take time to pray the Shmonasre, the Amida. Aval Ein Yordin Lefneateva, but they cannot lead the services. The Ein Nosin Kapeim, and if they are Kohanim, they do not duchen. They do not uh, duchening is getting up in front of the um, in front of the congregation and um, saying a little prayer. If you're a kohen, in um, in outside of Israel, we do this on the holidays. Inside Israel, we do this every day. So what do we see? So 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 that's the that's the first uh, brisa that we taught teach. Now we have a second brisa, the hatanya. But didn't we learn in a brisa a lesson that seems to contradict that brisa? which is that the workers cannot take time to say an entire Amidah. Rather, they say, they say this abridged version of the Shemona Esrei, and that's all they're allowed to say because they can't, you know, they're, they're working for somebody, so they can't take so much time away. Amr Rav Sheshes, Rav Sheshes answers, it's not a question, um, the Brisa that... Um, says that workers should say the entire Shemona Esrei is following Rabbi Gamliel. And the Brisa that says that they say an abridged Shemona Esrei is following Rabbi Yehoshua. The dispute between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yehoshua is Rabbi Gamliel feels that every single day we have an obligation to say the entire Shemona Esrei, whereas Rabbi Yehoshua said, no, we can fulfill that obligation by saying an abridged Shemona Esrei. So now back into the Gemara. E Rabbi Yehoshua, if we're going to say that the Brisa that says that you can say an abridged Shmona Esrei is Rabbi Yehoshua, my area poalim, then why why does it specifically say that workers say an abridged Shmona Esrei? A few call Adam Nami, shouldn't everybody be able to say an abridged Shmona Esrei, an abridged Amida? Why then does the Brisa focus on workers specifically if we're going according to Rabbi Yehoshua's opinion that anybody can fulfill their obligation with an abridged Shmona Esrei? Ella, rather, we have a different way to reconcile the Brysas. Both Brysas are actually Rebbe Gamliel's opinion. And it's not a question. Where it says that you have to do an abridged version, we're speaking where they are, where the workers work for a salary, for wages. Whereas where they don't work for wages, but all they work for is for food, so all they're paid for, all they're paid with is food. They just get their uh, their their meals. Then it's is not it's not considered as big of a responsibility to the employee, to the employer. I'm sorry, and therefore they are supposed to say the entire Shmona Esrei, not in a bridge Shmona Esrei. And we will now see that there's a brisa that makes it very clear that there is a difference between workers working for money versus workers working for food. The hatanya, like we learned in a brisa, hapoalim, 
So if you have workers who are doing labor, who are doing work by a employer, they say the Shema and they pray. And they eat their bread, but they do not make a blessing before the bread. But they do make a blessing afterwards, but only two blessings. Um, what bless, which two blessings? Because the usual grace after meals is, is more than two blessings. So what two blessings do they say? Ketzad, what does that mean? They say two blessings. Bracha Rishona Kitikuna. They say the first blessing according to its Kitikuna, uh, according to its uh, usual uh, structure. And Shniya Poseach Bever Aretz. And the second blessing, um, the way they do it is you sit, you open it with the blessing of the land. V'cholulin which is the second blessing in our grace after meals, but instead of just finishing off with the second blessing, then going on to the third, the Cholin Bonei Yerushalayim you include an aspect of the builder of Jerusalem, which is the third blessing of the grace after meals, you include that in the second blessing. Um, and that is, the, that is what a worker would say after eating. Now, in what scenario do we say that these words apply, that a worker does this abridged birkadamazon, this abridged grace after meals? The osin bischaran, that's where they are working for wages. Aval osin bisudasam, but if they're working for their meals, oshahayabal habayas may save mahen, or if the employer was eating together with them, mivarchin ketikuna, then they bless, then they do the regular benching afterwards, the regular uh, grace after meals. So we see very clearly that there is a difference between somebody working for wages and somebody working for a meal. Now we are going to discuss the next part of the Mishnah. We are one, two, three, four, five, six lines up from the bottom, and we are at the colon. Chasan Pater Mikriyashma. We said that in the Mishnah that a groom is exempt from saying Shema um, from the first night of his marriage until the until Saturday night, as long as he had not yet consummated the marriage. Tan Rabbanan, the rabbis taught. The words of the Shema that say, you shall say them when you're sitting in your home. Prat Laosek B'mitzvah teaches us that you only say it. Um, if you are not involved in doing another mitzvah, but if you're involved in doing another mitzvah, then you do not have an obligation to say Shema. Uvelechtecha v'derecha, when in Shema it says, you should say it as you're walking on your way. Prat lechasan, that is coming to exclude a chasan, a groom from saying the Shema. Mikan amrun, from here they say, hakones is habesula pater, somebody who marries a besula, a virgin, is exempt from Shema. This ha'almana chayev, or somebody that marries a widow is obligated to say the Shema, and we will talk more about that soon. Okay, now we're going to talk about those verses that we just used to teach us these lessons. From where in these verses do we learn that, how, how do these verses teach us that somebody that's in the middle of doing a mitzvah does not, is not obligated to say Shema, or, or that a groom is not obligated to say Shema? So Omar of Papa, Rav Papa explains, Ki derech. Take a look at the word walking on your way. The obligation to say Shema is like when you're walking on the way. Ma just like when you're walking on the way, it's voluntary. It's, not, it's, uh, it's voluntary. So too, you only say Shema if you're involved in something that is voluntary. 
But if you're involved in something obligatory, like a mitzvah, then you do not say Shema. Then you're not obligated to say Shema. Now we ask, Now why are we assuming that when it says uh, um, walking on the way, that it's walking for your own reasons? Maybe it means that you're walking to, say sh to, to do a mitzvah, and yet you still need to say Shema. So again, perhaps we are dealing with where you're going to do a mitzvah. And nonetheless, Amar Achmano, the Torah says, Likri, you should still say Shema. Maybe that's the meaning. So we answer, If so, that that's what the Torah was trying to teach us, was telling us by using the word way, is that you have to say Shema even if you're on the way to do a mitzvah, then why does it, then all the Torah needed to say is Beleches, when, when, when one is walking. My Belechdecha, why does it say you're walking? Shmamina, we learn from there, that it's only when you're doing your walking, meaning when it's you do when you're doing your walking, that's when you're obligated to say the Shema, when you're doing something voluntary. Hada mitzvah, but if you're doing something if you're walking for a mitzvah, you're do, you're involved in a mitzvah, patiras then you're actually exempt from the Shema. So that is as far as we'll go today. Um, tomorrow we'll go back to the, uh, the the differentiation between a groom marrying a virgin versus a non versus a, a widow. Um, okay, so we first have, let's just do a quick review. So on the top we talked about the importance of Torah study. Um, then we had the the um, if you made mistakes, where where do you go back to if you're not exactly sure where the mistake was made? Then we have the Mishnah where we learned a couple of important lessons. We learned how, how does a worker say Shema. Then we talked about the groom being exempt from Shema. Um, and then we had the story of Rabbi Gamliel who still said Shema even though he was a groom. Then we analyzed more about when do workers say Shema, when do they say Shemona Esrei, don't they need to focus, isn't that part of the obligation? And we went back and forth analyzing and... Um, and um, reconciling different brisas. Um, and then we talked more about that until the, basically until the two dots and really got a good idea. And we, we, we differentiated between workers that work for wages and workers that work for meals. Then we started to analyze the next part of the Mishnah about the groom being exempt from Shema. And we wanted to know what the source for that was. Um, that is as far as we got today. Have a wonderful day. And I look forward to next time.